0: A voice of St. Louis original podcast. Welcome into the STL All Local Podcast from the KMOX Newsroom. I'm Michael Calhoun with what's happened around town today. Our top local story on this Monday, May fifteenth, the St. Louis Police Chief is downplaying this past weekend's violence downtown. Chief Robert Tracy tells KMOX he thought it was much better than the previous weekend.
1: In less than twenty-four hours, Friday into Saturday, nine people were shot, three died. Then Saturday night, well into Sunday morning, St. Louis police responded to three different fights in Ninth and Locust. That's according to the police department's incident summaries. The third time they responded, they heard a barrage of gunfire nearby, responded, and found several teens. In two cars riddled with bullets, and following the fights, a man and woman were shot at Seventh and Locust. Police believe it's all connected. Chief Robert Tracy. So we de-escalated the situation twice. Had to go back to the same location. We're going to be looking at the type of things that are being done. Are there rentals? Are there Airbnb's? What's going on at that location? Problem buildings, and and find out what the landlord's doing. Tracy says his officers responded quickly, and adds that he's very proud of them. Maria Kina, KMOX News.
0: The weekend fights downtown and videos on social media of young people walking around with long guns. Has downtown Alderwoman Kara Spencer upset? Spencer says the Missouri legislature did nothing to pass tougher gun laws for the city of St. Louis in the session that ended Friday. I've given uh, Speaker of the House uh, Plocker my phone number. I'd like him to give me a call and explain why in the world he thinks it's a good idea for children to be armed with semi-automatic weapons in the city of St. Louis and why he doesn't think the state ought to, legislature ought to do a, a single thing about it. Spencer, who chairs the Aldermanic Public Safety Committee, says it's not only a public safety issue, but an economic one. Much of the city's revenue depends on people working and going to events downtown. Candidates for circuit attorney are lined up. Governor Mike Parson's deadline of noon today has come and gone, and his office says 20 people applied to replace Kim Gardner as St. Louis circuit attorney. The governor told the Post-Dispatch he has some really good candidates, and he's pleased and impressed with the response. He also says he's not asking applicants if they intend to run for the job permanently. Aides are expected to whittle down the list over the next two weeks, with Parson interviewing the top two or three finalists. Gardner says she'll leave office June 1st. Sean Michael Lyle, KMOX News. New details emerging about the nursing school activities of St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. The latest court filing from Missouri's Attorney General claims Gardner was at a nursing school clinic linked to her SLU advanced nursing degree on April 27th, the same day she was a no-show for a contempt of court hearing. That was the day the judge got fed up and called her office a rudderless ship of chaos. She's not here. I don't see her in the courtroom. The Attorney General's office says they are releasing all of this to keep the pressure on Gardner. They want her to resign immediately, not June 1st, as she has promised. And they want her to sign a consent decree, promising not to run for the office again. Kevin Killeen, KMOX News. A status conference on the Quo Warento case against Gardner is set for Tuesday. The president of Woodard Cleaning and Restoration says their phones started ringing last night after heavy rains moved through St. Louis. Justin Woodard says if a home has flood water, a thorough assessment is needed.
1: Water gets behind
0: walls uh, and it can soak into the, the pad uh, of the carpet or underneath the the flooring. Uh, and in, that, in those cases, you are going to want to uh, have somebody at least come out and do an assessment to understand where all the water is. He says to be aware of electrical systems and plumbing backups when assessing the flood damage. A 16-story tower under construction at Barnes-Jewish Hospital will be ready for another 2020. Staff and family members will be able to stay at safe distances from patients with the help of additional windows and technology.
1: Through both an iPad located at the bedside and then the, the TV or the monitor on the wall for um, patients to be better connected to their families in a in a virtual way.
0: That's Donna Ware, BJC's Director of Planning and Design. She says the tower allows for inpatient rooms to be converted into ICUs if they're hit with a surge of patients. Stuart McMillan, KMOX News. The KMOX Business Desk, the head of Missouri's Department of Economic Development, is leaving her post in the governor's cabinet to try to lure more businesses specifically to the St. Louis area. Maggie Coast is joining Greater St. Louis Inc. as its new Chief Business Attraction Officer. Just last August, the group hired Stephen Pierce for the job, but he's returning to Charlotte because of a family health issue. But yesterday's flooding downpours reminds us that it's almost the 30th anniversary of the flood of 93. And one of the things to come out of that, the Monarch Chesterfield Levy, which has been dubbed one of the best levies. With us now, the president of the Steinberg Group, Michael Steinberg. Thank you for being with us.
1: No problem. Thank you for including me.
0: So, uh, who says the Monarch Chesterfield Levy is one of the best? Who's saying this?
1: Well, that was uh, the levy, uh, the, uh, the engineers of America, the, the people that do levies, the levy engineers, through David Human of the, of the uh, Monarch Levy. They met and reviewed all the levies in America. And uh, believe it or not, we were voted the number one levy in America.
0: Now take us back. You know, I can, I can recall as, uh, as a young kid looking uh, from the Doubletree Hotel uh, out at the vast expanse of water, seeing the car dealership, the Ford dealership, and, and the few buildings that were there underwater. After such a disaster like that, where did the idea come from to try to make this this land developable, and how did, how did it happen?
1: Well, it's a little roundabout story, but I was also out at the Doubletree on that interchange, the bridge, overlooking that with my father-in-law's blessed memory. And he was here for the 4th of July celebration. And we were sitting there and we couldn't even see the pig on any guns. And he said, this is a shame. And I said, you know what? There's an opportunity. We can make lemonade out of lemons here. And I'd always been trying to get Walmart and Lowe's and Home Depot, all the boxes by the mall. And Lewis Sachs would not agree to put any of those boxes by the mall. He said, I want a higher-end uh, shopping center. I want higher-end retail. I want higher-end... Uh, residential and that was his vision and he stood by it and he said you know what let me see if i can help you and work with the city to see if we can put this down in the valley and he convinced the city to do a tiff and i met david human of the monarch levy who is uh the attorney and the president of the board of the monarch levy and we came up with an idea of going back to the federal government kit bond helped david human helped the corps of army engineers helped and they said, if you do eight or nine million dollars of money, we will get we will match it five times. And I said, Okay, under the one condition that we don't build a hundred year engineering levy, we build a five hundred year engineering levy because I never want to have this happen again, and I have to assure my tenants that we'll never flood. And with the city of Chesterfield, the county, the state, the Corps of Army Engineers, David Human and of course Mike Geisel, who's now the city manager but he was the city engineer we came up with the plan to fix the entire levee around the valley including pump stations and we and we were able to develop a 500-year engineering levee which is a lot different than the 100-year farmers levee that was there prior to the floods
0: now there is criticism that comes uh, from folks who say that levees like these make the water level higher at points downstream might make it the currents faster
1: I, you know, I don't really believe that. The, the Corps of Army Engineers studied that. Um, it really doesn't do that because it's such a short part of the area that uh, the river's confluence is. So um, I've heard that before and uh, it's, it's protecting a lot of people. Before there was about 3 million square feet in the valley. There's now 9 million square feet and there's over a billion dollars of economic good of sales being done. So I think the trade off Is probably better today.
0: Talk a little bit more about what's happened in uh, the greater Chesterfield Valley area, how how expansive the area is that was uh, made developable by this. It started with uh, Chesterfield Commons, which I can also recall uh, being younger and hearing that it was the world's longest strip mall. Don't know if that was true at the time or not, but uh, it started there and, and where has it gone since then?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. It is the largest, it's the longest strip center in America. It's almost two miles long on either side of the road uh, by one ownership group. And um, what's happened is that we've attracted a lot more businesses to Chesterfield, a lot higher-end residential to Chesterfield, because people want shopping. People want places to go. And we were also able to attract the ball fields across the street that the city put in, the county put in. Uh, There's been a lot of different things that this happened. But one of the most important things besides fixing the levy is the interchange, the private interchange that we built, the Boone's Crossing, uh, that was uh, supposed to take four years and $57 million. We did it in one year and $11 million. And it's changed the ingress and egress to the valley. Why was Chesterfield the, the place
0: that this had to happen and why has uh, Chesterfield continued to have the follow on success? Now we're looking at the district and downtown Chesterfield. W- why is this the place?
1: You know, I think people uh, have realized it's easy to get, a, get around in Chesterfield. It's 20, miles to, uh, 20 minutes to the airport, 25 miles downtown, it's just a little bit out. It's new, it's exciting. Um, it's, it's changed. You know, people want, you know, a better value for their home. They have, want more open areas. There's better trails. Uh, the levee district and us and along with the city built a 29 mile bike loop around the city. There's a lot of great things that are out in Chesterfield today and it just keeps growing. As the population goes west in St. Louis, Chesterfield has benefited. And, uh, you mentioned downtown Chesterfield. We're going to have a chance to build a downtown. I'm not calling it a mixed-use. It's truly a downtown. We have 120 acres that we're going to develop. Jeff Tagahoff next door developed 35 acres. And Clayton, Missouri, is less than 150 acres. This is truly the next downtown. You go from downtown, Clayton, and now it's going to be Chesterfield.
0: Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Calhoun. Subscribe by finding STL All Local on the Odyssey app.